Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smokes Tennessee Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. I'm joined by my co-host, Holt Smash. What's up, Holt? Hey, Alex. How are you, how are you this fine evening? Dude, I'm doing just fine and dandy. Thank you. Also joined in the very same room, Mr. J.B. Brooks. What's up? I'm doing pretty well. Bullshit. Uh, how was your weekend? It was pretty. It's pretty solid. I'm assuming y'all know based off on snap, based off Snapchat, that I was in Charlotte this weekend. Um, didn't do too much. Just uh, I can't say in law, but like basically in law family time. So um, nothing too exciting. But I did get some good barbecue today. Uh, I know we like Memphis barbecue, but North Carolina barbecue is famous as well. And I didn't have time take a picture because i was eating in the car but it was called the smoke pit in monroe north carolina which is just outside north carolina it was pretty solid um i actually got a brisket sandwich and i know we're not big on brisket as a whole but uh the brisket was in fact pretty good um got that barbecue nachos and pulled pulled chicken you know the whole thing sweet tea pretty solid all around if you're ever in the area i think you should try it but yep sounds pretty good did you get any ribs no, I I was trying to keep. You're eating when you we're buying for two. It gets expensive. Um, but I, we were in the car, so it was kind of hard to get everything. I didn't want to get too um, get too much just because um, I knew it was gonna. I wasn't gonna eat it all in the car, and I was. It was also also already kind of messy. But the barbecue nachos itself was humongous, even for me. I mean, it was. I would say it could it could feed two of us. I would say either like you and JB or me and whole one two of us anyway, like as a meal by itself. I think so. That's saying a lot. I got yeah. I got to ask. Uh, I, I'm assuming you did not listen to the Missouri preview that me and JB did by ourselves. I did not have enough time yet. All right. Well, I assume you didn't because on that podcast we talked about, or at least I talked about how like anytime I go to a new barbecue place, like I have to get the ribs because I feel like. You can't really go down as a good barbecue place if you don't have good ribs. I feel like you have to have good ribs in well, order to classify the barbecue place. Well, I'll tell you this, man. Um, I think you like you like the dry ribs like I do, and I think you're the same way, JB. But um, I looked at some pictures of ribs, and a lot of them had barbecue sauce on them. And I think you can get them dry as well, but I think they're they're more known for putting the barbecue sauce on the ribs. And based off of reviews, 
Um, everybody just said get the brisket and uh, the pulled pork sandwich. So that's basically what I did. The ribs, I mean, I would have tried them, I and I bet you they actually probably wouldn't have been that bad. But um, I wasn't ready to drop you know the, another twenty dollars on half, probably like a half rack of ribs. They had four four bones for like fourteen dollars, so it was kind of expensive. But, yeah, it does. It up. Yeah, but next time, next time I might if I actually have time to sit down and eat, then I'll try it. Um, but a good, good time all around in Charlotte. Did y'all get to try any new restaurants? I feel like you've maxed out in Memphis already. No, I did go to central today though, which is always just a solid choice. The close central or the central central. Yes. Yes, I didn't feel like driving all the way. It's hard for me to justify driving (laughs) like 20 minutes when there's one, like five minutes away. Just the barbecue nachos. No, I got some wings too. There you go. Oh, this, those smoked wings are good. This whole what? Uh, just the regular seasoning, the dry seasoning. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, solid, solid choice. Any leftovers? Well, actually, what I did was is I ate the as I ate the nachos with the French fries uh, instead of chips. I ate that um, for kind of like an early dinner, and then I'm going to have the wings for kind of like a late dinner. You didn't go twice, did you? You're saying you you got the no, I got it all on one trip, Alex. <laughs> just making sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past asked one of us to do something like that i did that um not to get too off topic but i did it at tops barbecue um i was i was being a nice grandson i got my my grandmother and grandfather some some lunch one day and like for me me them two and uh upa and uh we got like a party pack which is supposed to feed i think like six and we got the party pack and i looked and i was like this isn't enough so we went back through the drive-thru a second time and got like some nachos and another sandwich just to make sure it was enough. But uh, that's just kind of how Tops is in Memphis. Um, but getting too, not getting too sidetracked, let's talk about some Tennessee football. Um, I want to start this, start off this way. Um, I was actually – I got <laughs> I got a little bit of free time today, and I was watching ESPN. And the e- E60 did a profile of Mike Leach, uh, which is kind of related to Tennessee football because if you recall, back when Tennessee was trying to hire 20 different head coaches – or at least offer 20 different head coaches. Mike Leach was one of them. I think, um, JB, you can, uh, I guess, fact check me here, validate this. Mike Leach, actually, his offer was, like, pretty much accepted, but something happened. I think they fired they fired the AD, right, and then they kind of canceled the whole deal. Yeah, Mike Leach pretty much was going to – was in line to accept the offer to become Tennessee's head football coach. But uh, the very next morning, uh, John Curry flew back to Knoxville, Tennessee, and – after he got off the plane uh, and met with the board at University of Tennessee, uh, he got relieved of his duty and uh, took a whole reset with the entire coaching search. And then they made Fulmer in charge. And then he did a complete overhaul and brought in a few of his own candidates to interview, which put that through it. Not to get too off topic here, but I, I think Mike Leach is a brush of fresh air for college football because there's so many like serious, n- not fun head coaches when you interview them, like Nick Saban, even Kirby Smart's kind of serious like that. And um, uh, what's his name? Muschamp sometimes is a little too serious and doesn't like to joke around. But Mike Leach is like all over the place, and it's very entertaining. Holt, do you think Mike Leach would have been embraced at Tennessee, and do you think he actually would have been successful that air raid offense in the SEC when your defense wins in the SEC? Well – I would have very much loved to see that. Love to see Mike Leach in the SEC just 
with any team. So I was really hoping that it was going to happen. I, I mean, I do think he would have been successful there. He's been successful just about everywhere he's been. Um, it's just the problem is, you know, there's it, it just seems like he can never put together like a complete season. You know what I mean? Like he'll have he'll have a really good year, and they just won't be able to, um, you know, they just won't be able to win that big game at the end of the season, kind of like win the conference or win, you know, win that big game at the end of the season. It just seems like he always struggles with that. But, I mean, I think he would have done well. I think uh, Tennessee fans would have embraced him, especially early on. But I just feel like, you know, there would always be, like, those one or two games he just never could quite get over that hump at the end of the season um, that would eventually lead to him, you know, moving on. JB, do you think there would have been riots in Knoxville similar to when they tried to hire – I got I forgot his name already – the um, Ohio State defensive coordinator um, – slash Rutgers coach, slash Tampa Bay Bucks coach. Um, do you think there would have been a riots for uh, Tennessee fans if they chose to hire Mike Leach instead of uh, ultimately Jeremy Pruitt? Absolutely not. No, a lot of fans were on board with uh, getting Mike Leach. Uh, but Jeremy Pruitt wasn't even listed as a candidate yet. But a lot of fans in, in Knoxville would have gotten on board with uh, Mike Leach. Mike Leach and you know, head and shoulders, a lot better candidate to most fans compared to uh, Greg Schiano. I'm going to blank on the hostage defensive coordinator's name right now. What's his name? Not He's not a hostage anymore, but what was his name? Greg Schiano? Yes. JB, hold. Alex, are you okay? Can you hear me? Yeah, man, I can hear you fine. What are you talking about? Okay. It kind of went blank for a second. Excuse me. We'll, we'll just continue on here. Um, but I, I say that because I think Mike Lee Can you hear me? <laughs> Alex, yes. what are you doing? Yeah. I'm trying to record a podcast. Sticking around. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> we can freaking hear you. Oh my god, dude! Y'all are laughing like you can't hear me. I I got it now. I... We're laughing because you keep asking if we can. Each is because um, it would be interesting or entertaining to see how he could, uh, what he could do with Jared Garant- Garantano at Tennessee because he's turned in some no name uh, quarterbacks into some prolific passers. So um, that's just, I'd just be interested to see how well he could. How he, well he could turn Garantano into a great passer, um, but I digress nonetheless. Um, what's uh, JB? Give me give me the state of the Tennessee fan base on Jeremy Pruitt right now in year two. Well, I think uh, a lot of fans are wanting to see some improvement. You know, going into year two, that's usually when you're going to see a lot of improvement with any new head. Uh, they've got a lot of returning starters on both sides of the ball. Uh, depending on which publications you read and who you talk to, it could anywhere from eight to ten starters on offense and six to seven or even eight starters on defense. But uh, some of these guys that are returning on offense, they got all their skill position players back, all their key their the quarterback, uh, two key running backs, uh, all their key wide receivers. Uh, they lost a few guys from their offensive line from last year. Uh, they're looking to probably start two freshman tackles uh, on le- at left at right tackle, and also on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they're going to have a pretty young uh, defensive line uh, anchored by uh, one senior, Emmett Gooden, who you, a lot of you might be familiar with. It was on Last Chance U 
that played at Independence under the famous Jason Brown. But uh, next year, this upcoming season, I think a lot of fans just want to see some improvement. I think they will be an improved team. The schedule sets up for them a lot better than it did last year. And uh, they also got some new coaches on their staff that I think they're going to make bring about some good changes, uh, namely Jim Chaney running the offense now. I think Pruitt's going to have a lot more faith in uh, Chaney having the reins to the, and the keys to the offense to uh, do the things he wants him to, that he wants it to do. Uh, they hired Derek Ansley from the Oakland Raiders to be the defensive coordinator. He has a lot of experience in the SEC. He actually once coached on the Tennessee staff under Derek Dooley and uh, recently coached uh, with Nick Saban on the Alabama staff and coached with Pruitt at one point. So a lot of these guys are familiar with each other. I think there's going to be some improvement this year in Knoxville, but uh, definitely need to pump the brakes on competing in the East this year. They're not ready to take that step yet, but there should be a lot of improvement. JB, tell me what happened with the defensive coordinator here. You mentioned – um, I think it's Ansley for the defensive coordinator now, but there was Kevin Scher now from last year that was defensive coordinator. He's still on the staff, but they got essentially demoted to like a linebackers coach, right? I think he kind of most, most, really just kind of volunteered that uh, he's he became the special teams coach and uh, linebackers coach, and uh, Ansley's kind of came in to be pretty much the main defensive coordinator. Was that but, uh, was that performance based, or is that just because they really uh, Pruitt really wanted Ansley in as a defensive coordinator? Uh, Pruitt really just wanted Ansley. Like that was uh, one of the guys that he really targeted that he wanted to bring on to his staff. Ansley also wanted to be a defensive coordinator too, and that was really the drawing board. And Kevin Schreier, just being a a team player, agreed to move on, move over to be the special teams coordinator and also still be able to coach line. Is there a worse offense coordinator than Ty Helton from last year? Uh, excuse me? Is there a worse offensive coordinator than Tyson Helton from last year? Oh, yeah, there's definitely some worse ones. I mean, Tyson Helton wasn't that terrible, but it just his offense was just too stagnant and kind of predictable at times. Uh, but... Like they always ran the ball on first down, it seemed like. Yeah, I ran the ball a lot on first downs. Uh, it seems like on third and longs, they'd always just throw a you know a, a long pass down the sideline to you know one of their big targets, either you know Palmer, Jennings, or Callaway. And uh, it was it, it also ran a lot of uh, bubble screens too. Uh, it was just it was a very predictable system, but especially like what Holt said, they would run a lot on first down and get stuffed or only get one or two yards, and they'd already be behind eight ball going on second down and third down with you know second and long. It was not a, it was not the best offense and not the best system and not the best play calling and Jeremy Pruitt I laid into Tyson Nelson at times last year because of his play calling. Maybe their best game last year was the one we all went to against Auburn, which is kind of surprising when uh, against Auburn. We I don't think I don't know who who chose one of us chose Tennessee to win that game, but I I, I definitely didn't think Tennessee was going to win that game. But um, I'll ask you, Holt, we we definitely noticed the wide receivers for Tennessee in that game and. Garantano was throwing up to, I think it was Jennings and maybe Callaway that just caught a lot of deep passes and Auburn couldn't stop them. Do you think that's what success looks like this year for Tennessee's offense, just throwing up to the big receivers? Uh, I mean, yeah, I definitely think that's their strength going into the season. Um, I just don't believe that that is going to be enough for them. I don't think that's a good recipe for a good offense. I think if you're going to be a good offense, you're going to have to have that offensive line come together. And, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about that a lot on this podcast, but – that's kind of like the key to this year is, especially on the offensive side, is how does that offensive line come together? Because as you stated, I mean, yeah, Garantano is is a really 
quarterback, but he also took a ton of hits last year and had trouble staying healthy. Um, he's really talented. They got some really talented receivers. I know, you know, Jennings is a, is a really big target. They can make a lot of great catches, but Callaway has always been someone that stood out to me. Um, just ever since like I first saw him play, I've just always really liked the way that he plays and just always thought he's a really good player, but you know, if they're not able to block and they're not able to keep Garantano on his feet and they're not able to run the ball to kind of force, you know, defenses to, you know, not just play the pass all the time, then I think they're going to struggle. But I do think that's the strength of the team coming into the season um, is Garantano and those receivers. Keeping Garantano healthy. He was hurt a lot last year. Um, <laughs> I guess, JB, I guess a lot of Tennessee fans might not love Garantano as the quarterback or not, might not be the – you know, their most favorite quarterback of all time in Tennessee. But I guess I would venture to say that a lot of Tennessee fans at least respect him because he played through a lot of injury last year. Yeah, he took a ton of hits last year. I mean, he every time he took a hit, like, you, you would always just see him get back up and just can keep on competing. Like, he never complained at all. Never – you never saw him go into his offensive line and get into their faces. He just got up from every play and just went on to the next play and took the next step. Like, he was he was a competitor last year. And – the biggest thing for Garantano is getting rid of the ball faster. I think last year, even at times with the offensive line struggling at times, he wasn't getting rid of the ball as fast as he should. I think Jim can help him with that and help him go through his progressions quicker and help him learn to go through his progressions quicker so then he'll be able to get rid of the ball faster, even if the offensive line doesn't improve as much from last year. Tell me about the defense, JB. You said I think what I what I read, I think Phil Still was saying there's uh, six return uh, starters on defense this year. Um, defense that wasn't necessarily great last year, but showed some games that they have potential, I guess. It's one way to look at it. But are you excited about the defense, or what are you excited about the defense, I guess, this year? New, new I, actually, I actually think their defense has a chance to be pretty decent next year. I think the, uh, the back seven, namely, is going to be really good. Their linebackers, I think, are really talented. Uh, Taylor and Batuli are both really talented players. Uh, they've also got some stud freshmen coming in and Crouch and Sotoo, who are both highly recruited players. Uh, they're also in their uh, secondary. They got uh, Bryce Thompson and Alante Taylor back. They were both started last year as true freshmen. Both of them uh, are had the potential to be uh, high draft picks for the NFL in a cut maybe a year or two. They're both really talented players. They got Nigel Warrior, uh, senior safety, that they're anchoring the secondary back there. They've also got Bailey Buchanan, another experienced player who'll play playing the two deep that started last year and uh, Trevon Flowers. So that, the secondary I think is going to be really good along with the uh, the linebackers. The the main concern for Tennessee is their defensive line. Uh, Emmett Gooden's really the only returning player from last year that played in the two deep, uh, but they don't have any returning starters on their defensive line. Uh, they're going to rely on him a lot. And also they're waiting to find out if Aubrey Solomon will be available to uh, play this year. They're waiting to see if he's going to get a waiver. He was a uh, tra- he's a transfer from Michigan. He's a former five-star uh, defensive tackle recruit. But it's really going to depend if they can get Solomon. If they can get Solomon to plug in on the defensive line, the defensive line may not take too much of a step back because then they'd have Solomon and Gooden on the uh, starting lineup, which would be very helpful for them. Are you worried at all about Tennessee's recruiting going forward? Uh, I-, I would say that you shouldn't be or you're probably not. Uh, they were ranked 12th in the uh, – 12th, excuse me, ranked 12th nationally in 2019 class, but that's only good for 7th in the SEC. Um, 2020 is early, but they're, like, I think top 30 right now, so nothing special. But uh, I see Tennessee is going for, like, a just in 
in the future, the foreseeable future, they're going to be a top 20 year after year recruiting class. Yeah, like I think Pruitt and his staff that they have, they'll be able to recruit really well. I mean, Pruitt has assembled a really awesome coaching staff. I mean, guys that really know the game well and are really good down-to-earth teachers and, uh, you know, coaches that teach a lot about family. I think it's gonna, it's a good environment for them, and I think they are going to get better with recruiting, but the only way recruiting improves is winning, and they got to start winning and showing the improvement this year. You know, going from year one to year two, they got to start showing some improvement. And Pruitt. Uh, just give a little bit about his personality. I think you know better than I do, just being a Tennessee huge fan, JB, that you are. Uh, that uh, Ted Pruitt, basically, he, he sleeps and breathes football. I feel like he doesn't have too much else going on in his mind besides football. Definitely not asparagus, right, Holt? No, definitely not. Yeah, but uh, Pruitt is definitely a football first person. Uh, he even admitted last year that uh, he struggled at times uh, trying to figure out how he wanted to uh, keep all of his priorities together when he first came on the job and tried to fix everything at once. And when you become the head man and you've always been a defensive coordinator, like you can't multitask everything all at once at times when you're trying to fix a, a program and bring a once proud program back to, uh, you know, the upper echelon of college football. But he's definitely uh, shown that he's, he's, he's wanted to be more of a, um, approachable guy this upcoming season last year he didn't really know his players as well because he had too much going on so he this offseason he spent more getting to know more of his players on a personal level uh, namely Jared Garantano he's built a relationship with him and I think that carries on with the chemistry on the field and uh, going into a uh, fall camp he definitely has a better grasp with this team than he did last year before we get into the schedule, uh, let's just stay on Garantano a lot because I feel like that's kind of what the focus of this year is going to be is if how well Garantano can do uh, is how well Tennessee is going to do. Um, I'll, st- I'll ask you, Holt. Uh, Garantano came in as a, I don't know, a top 100 recruit. I don't know, top five quarterback maybe, JB, if that's right. Um, dual threat yeah, quarterback. Think, yeah, I think Garantano, you can look it up if you need to. I think he was the number two dual threat quarterback in his class uh, on depending on which service you look at, but I think it was maybe rivals. He was a number two dual threat quarterback. So he, so, I mean, he was really good. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he may have actually been the number two dual threat behind Shea Patterson and his Jamie, you're kind of breaking up for a second there. I think JB was just saying that he was the number two uh, dual threat quarterback in his class. Sorry, JB kind of froze up there for a second, um, even in person. He, uh, he, he may have he may have froze up a little bit, like over audio, but he also froze up a little bit in person as well. Yeah, so, it's kind of cold in the room. <laughs> total total JB move. Um, yeah, so he's he's a highly ranked uh, prospect, Holt, but he hasn't really shown his. Uh, his promise yet or his uh, potential yet, but I think he, I think he still has a lot of potential left. I mean, he's only about to be a redshirt junior, so he has possibly two years left, um, but his dual threat quarterback, but I haven't seen him run yet. What do you, where do you see Garantano this year? You know, this is year, year two under Pruitt, year three overall, maybe a better offensive line, maybe better offense overall with all, with all the returning starters. Do you think, you know, this could be a potential breakout year for Garantano? I think uh, he has the tools. Well, I, was, to break I was asking Holt. Uh, I thought you were asking me. Go ahead, Holt. 
Hey, man, I got, like, all excited. I was, like, about to talk. I had, like, a whole thing ready, and then JB just, like, steps, yeah. like, right over me. That's my bad. Thanks. Bad, uh, you, you take it on, Holt. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, I, Garantano is, is someone that I could definitely like, have a wild card. He's got uh, really good arm talent. He's got a really strong arm. He's tall. Um, he came in, like, really lanky, and, like, over the course of his career, he's got bigger and bigger as, as time's gone on a little bit, like, thicker. Um, just more of a looks more like a football player and less like a basketball player. You know what I mean? He's yeah. He's got the really strong arm, and you know they got some. He's got some bigger receivers to help him out. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, I definitely think that he he could have a big year this year. And you know, as you know, y'all said he was listed as a dual threat quarterback, so he has some he has some ability. Um, I, I wouldn't really consider him like a run first guy, but he does have like that athletic ability to his game as well. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, like we said earlier, I mean, I just think it comes down to whether the offensive line can protect him or not. I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to and, uh, give those receivers time to get open downfield for Steven. And also, uh, you know, just how is he going to improve in the intermediate passing game? You know what I mean? We see him throw the ball downfield really well, but you know, we want to see more consistency, um, in the short passing game and just anticipating throws and being on time. And, you know, just the little things like that. And, you know, also getting the team in the right play and reading defense as well. And, you know, looking at fronts and knowing where to go with the ball before the snap. And just all those kind of things are, are things I think he could group on just a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I definitely see him as someone who could have a breakout season this year. And if, if he ended up being, you know, second or third team all-SEC at the end of the season, I don't think any of the three of us would be surprised by that. Yes. Hope. Hope. Yeah. Okay. It just it goes it goes on for a second, so I can't I can't hear. But um yeah, so I guess you, you kind of uh said probably exactly what I would have uh asked given that question because I, I, I'm still high on Garantano despite his um lack of uh I don't know, besides him actually showing in the game. You know, it's kinda of different because we, we talk about Felipe Franks Felipe Franks a lot, how we, we don't, we don't like him as much because he has a lot of potential, but he, we just don't think he's ever going to live up to it. Garantano, on the other hand, we've seen glimpses of him do really well. And so I think there's a better chance for him to actually show his potential. So I'm excited for that this year. That's probably the most thing, the most, uh, the thing I'm most excited about. Also excited about uh, my boy, Eric Gray showing out for Tennessee, even though he, he did go to Tennessee, I'm excited to see a Memphis dude that was, uh, recruited highly to see um, see how he does with Tennessee. I don't think he'll actually play too much this year, but we'll see. Um, we'll see if he gets some gets some snaps and maybe can show out for for the nine hundred one. Um, before we get into the schedule, actually, let's just go ahead and get into the schedule. Uh, I think uh, I think it's a more favorable schedule than most SEC teams. You look at their non conference, and most of them. Actually, all of them should be almost easy wins. The only tough one would be BYU. Uh, but there, what what stands out to me, stands out for me for this schedule is obviously the SEC games, and there's a lot of uh, what I call can you coach games that are going to come up for Pruitt. Like for instance, the Mississippi State game is like probably a toss up game that uh, Tennessee fans are going to judge Pruitt on it, thinking that he should definitely win that one. The South Carolina is another game that. Tennessee fans that think that they should win that game. Kentucky, Missouri, all these games are could be made potential toss-up games that 
fans are going to find out whether Pruitt is a good coach or um, if they need to keep searching for another coach. Um, I'll let you talk, JB. What, what do you think about the schedule, just high, high level? Uh, the schedule is definitely a lot more favorable than it was last year. So, I mean, it definitely bodes, bodes well for them to uh, get bowl eligible this year and make it back to a bowl. Uh, the swing games that I look at on here, uh, when I immediately look at it, is uh, Mississippi State at home, South Carolina at home, and then the last three games at Kentucky, at Missouri, and Vanderbilt. I think those are the uh, five games to me that are really going to determine their season, whether or not they're a 500 team or if they're a team that's uh, in the upper, you know, upper half of the SEC this upcoming season. So, uh, Vegas has Tennessee at six and a half wins. We'll we'll talk in a second about what we actually think their wins total will be for this year. Um, but hold, look at the schedule. Which which game are you most excited about this year? I mean, I would say besides Mississippi State because I feel like that's kind of obvious. But um, if you want to say Mississippi State, you can. Well, yeah, I, mean, I was just looking over the schedule right now, and I mean, I think a road trip to Florida early in the season is a really intriguing game for me. I think. Uh, Tennessee's going to come into that game 3-0. Um, but I don't think there's going to be really anyone talking about them. I think there's going to be a lot of talk about Florida. And Florida's been kind of hyped up a little bit this year. And, you know, this is Tennessee's first chance to really go prove something this season. And I think this is going to be a really big game for them. And I think it's going to be a game where they, they're really going to play their, their hardest and they're really going to, you know, put it all out on the field. So I'm really looking at that Florida game. I think that's a game they could potentially win. Um, so, uh, just looking at that game, that's something that I could see something being like, you know, kind of a really exciting matchup there. For sure. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, we'll get to the Florida podcast here, um, the next week or two. And that's just, that's the one thing I was thinking too, that, um, people are pretty high on Florida this year just because how they finished last year, but they weren't necessarily a great team last year. They had a couple of big wins, but they just never really looked pretty in their wins besides the, uh, Michigan one where they kind of blew them out. But um, we'll talk about that when the Florida podcast comes up. Um, so the uh, win total is six and a half and um, or the Vegas win projection is six and a half. Um, Jamie, what do you think their floor is and what do you think their ceiling is this year? Uh, when I look at it, their floor to me is six wins and their ceilings about nine wins. I definitely if, if you're a betting person, I would go to Vegas and get and take the over right now because with that schedule and with the guys they have coming back from last year, there's no reason for them not to win uh, at least seven games with the schedule they have. Holt, you said earlier Tennessee is the hardest team to predict in the SEC. Why is that? Um, I mean, honestly, it's because we don't really know about Jeremy Pruitt. And we know that this is a really talented team. We know that Butch Jones recruited at a really high level. We know that there's a lot of really highly recruited freshmen coming in. We haven't seen play yet. And we also know that Garantano uh, has a lot of upside to his game. And I think we all know that uh, Garantano could have a really big season this year, as, as just like we were talking about earlier. And so, like, when you put all that together, I mean, if, if it all comes together right for Tennessee this year, I do think they could have a, a really good season. Um, you know, obviously getting Mississippi State, South Carolina, Vanderbilt at home are definitely games that, you know, would be swing games if, if uh, I mean, they are swing games, but you get those games at home. So that makes it a little bit, you know, a little bit better. And then, you know, you got Kentucky and Missouri late in the season uh, on the road. That could also be a uh, potential swing game. So, you know, I mean, those are all teams that they could beat and they're all teams that they could lose to. And depending on how it all kind of shakes out this season, um, is really going to determine, you know, where where on that spectrum they fall. 
you know, this year it kind of reminds me a lot of year two uh, Kirby Smart at Georgia because, you know, year one, they, I forgot that they won like seven games and what's a bowl game. And I think they won, but a lot of people were unsure about Kirby Smart. And you got to think, you know, seven wins at Georgia isn't, I guess, had higher standards coming into Kirby Smart's first year than Tennessee had for Jeremy Pruitt because Jeremy Pruitt inherited just a kind of a tough situation with the way Bush left or Bush got fired, I should say. But uh, so seven wins at Georgia with what Kirby inherited versus, you know, five wins with what Jeremy Pruitt inherited might be a little bit more similar than not. But before before year two started, ended up, you know, winning the SEC and a national championship game. I'm not saying Tennessee's going to do that, but it just reminds me a lot of that year two under Kirby Smart at Georgia. I don't know if y'all were thinking about that at all or if you disagree completely because Kirby Smart's a way better coach, but I just think there's a similarity there. I'm not saying that Kirby Smart and Jeremy Pruitt are about the same coach or the same coaching level. I just think there's a similarity there. I mean, I could definitely see it. I mean, Tennessee has a lot of skilled players at the right – at the skill positions that are really talented. But uh, the biggest problem with Tennessee, the biggest question marks, is their play in the trenches, especially on the offensive line and the defensive line. And as we all know, that's where games are won. But uh, the offensive line uh, this year, uh, they got two stud uh, freshman tackles that are probably going to start. It's all about how quickly they gel with their teammates and how well this offensive line comes together. That's really going to determine how good Tennessee can be this season, especially on offense. I mean, the defensive line, I think I'd be more trustworthy the defensive line than the offensive line. But if the offensive line can be serviceable, then Tennessee could surprise some folks. But I think at this point, uh, I think, you know, maybe seven, eight wins is about right for this team. I think I think Pruitt ultimately wants to play very similar to how Saban and Alabama plays and how smart, smart play at Georgia, which is game one in the trenches. And I think that's a lot of SEC coaches, but I think they're all kind of similar in how they would like to play because they want to play that tough-nosed football. So we'll see. We'll see if there's uh, some progression towards that style of play in year two. But we'll, I think we'll find a lot about uh, Jaron Pruitt in year two. Um, so before we get into the game-by-game game, uh, breakdown, um, I just want to hear your win totals just because uh, it kind of gets distorted when we do the, uh, um, you know, all of us have to agree or two out of three have to agree on each game. So let's just do the quick projected win totals before we get into the individual game. So, JB, I guess you're saying seven to eight is what you're saying. I am. Uh, it's really tough for me to pick between seven and eight. But right now, I mean, if, if I had to pick one right now, I'm going to say eight wins. And that's assuming that Tennessee gets Aubrey Solomon on the defensive line back and uh, also D'Angelo Gibbs, but mainly Aubrey Solomon. If they get Aubrey Solomon eligible, I think he can make the difference between <clears throat> seven and eight wins. Okay. Not, that he's that, not that he's that that important, but I think it helps for depth on the defensive line. Oh, I feel like you're you're trying to pick between six and ten wins right now. Yeah, I, I could really see anything between six. If they won ten, I'd be a little bit surprised. Um, nine, I think, is maybe a little bit more like I think between six and nine is about the range. Um, but right now, I think I'm going to put them at seven wins. Uh, but I'm also admitting to the fact that I do think they could be a lot better than that. Just so you can come back later in the year, be like I told y'all they were good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I want to kind of have, like, both sides right now. I want to, like, hedge my bet a little bit. That's like in the 
I don't want to like pick them to go ten and two, but at the same time, if they do go ten and two, I want y'all to come back and be like, "Hey, Holt said they might go ten and two. <laughs> Did y'all ever in a, like a in school like in the true true and false questions when you had to write down like with a pencil, true or false, or a pen? You like kind of made your T and Fs look this look the same, just so like you could hopefully get the benefit of the doubt from the teacher. <laughs> yeah, I tried, but it never worked for me. Yeah. You know, not to get, again, sidetracked, but true and false is supposed to be the easiest test ever quiz because it's 50-50, but I swear it's the hardest thing ever because you can talk yourself in either either way. But Yeah, I, what about it is like, they would, they would make it, like, you know, like a two sentences long, and, like, the whole thing would be true except for, like, one, like, little part. <laughs> yeah. Like, Tennessee football is great. They're playing Georgia State at 3.30 on August 31st. False. It was two thirty Central Time, something like that. Right. Yeah, I got you. All right, so let's go through the games real quick. Uh, they start off the year Georgia State uh, Labor Day. Um, the only question I have for this, because I think we're all going to pick wins uh, for this, is it's on ESPNU at three thirty. I'm assuming that's Eastern, probably two thirty Central. JB, are you going to be watching this entire game? No, I won't watch the entire thing, but I'll probably watch you know most of the first half. I mean, I think Tennessee should be able to handle their business in this game. I think right now I see them as a uh, 22, 23-point favorite in Vegas. I mean, I think they should be able to cover that. Maybe not com- you maybe not blow out the cover, but I think they should be able to cover it, though. Yeah. Georgia State's actually, believe it or not, uh, a team or a school that some people are talking about joining the AAC after UConn left just because they're in Atlanta. It's a huge market. But haven't seen any results yet, so I'm not high on it. But um, let's, let's keep going forward with the schedule here. Um, so want to know, I'm just not even going to ask you, Holt, because I'm going to assume you say win. Um, I'll ask you real quick, Holt, with BYU. I think that's going to be a win, but that's probably the toughest non-conference game. Um, it's at Neyland, but BYU did win seven games last year, and they're not necessarily an easy non-conference win. So I'll, I'll let you go ahead and pick that for me, Holt. No, I mean, this will be a decent test for Tennessee. Definitely of their first three games, this is going to be the, you know, the toughest one. Um, you know, BYU is always a really physical team, and we talked about Tennessee maybe not being where they need to be on both lines of scrimmage, but this will be a really good test uh, against a really physical team that can maybe uh, challenge Tennessee on the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, just be interesting to see if they're able to win this game easily or if they struggle. Um, just be kind of a good test for them at this point in the season. But I do expect them to win. Okay. JB, how much are they going to be BYU by 10 or more? Uh, right now, uh, they're listed as a four-point favorite over BYU. I actually think that might be a little bit low. I would have expected this line probably be closer to 10. I think Tennessee should win this by maybe two scores, but BYU is definitely going to test them. I mean, they're not a, they're definitely no slouch. They're a pretty decent program. They've been good for a while. Uh, they, Like Holt said, they've won seven games last year. Uh, they played Mississippi State really close a few years ago. I think uh, that's another SEC program that's – you know, so it it shows that BYU can compete with the. I think BYU will uh, compete uh, in this game this year with Tennessee, but I think Tennessee ultimately wins uh, in the second half. And they beat Wisconsin last year. Remember that? They did. They beat them with on a. I think it was a uh, blocked field goal at the end to win the game against Wisconsin to seal it. Or a missed field goal, but regardless, they won by a field goal. That reminds me a few years ago when Tennessee played. I think Utah State to start the year and Tennessee beat them pretty easily, and everybody's really excited about Tennessee football being back. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen here, JB, 2-0. Uh, and then hopefully it'll just keep keep rolling with that, but we'll, we'll see. Just reminds me of the Utah State game. 
a few years ago because Utah State wasn't a bad team at all when they played them. Um, let's just keep rolling here. Uh, Chattanooga is probably – they actually have a pretty decent FCS program. Or they did at one point. They went 6-5 and five last year, but uh, they're uh, at one point they were – but this is gonna be an easy win. I just think it's gonna be an easy win. Uh, so it's three and zero Tennessee going to Gainesville to take on Florida. This is where the fun starts. Um, Holt said this is his favorite game of the year, most exciting game for Tennessee this year. Um, JB, what you got? I know. Are you still nervous about Florida, even though Tennessee beat them two years ago or, or three years ago, whenever it was? Or um, do you still have like you have more confidence in this game now? I mean, last year, I mean, I think I may – I don't know if I picked Tennessee VM last year. I can't remember if I did or not. But uh, up until last year, like the last few years before that, I think from about 2014 to about 2017, four consecutive years, that game had been decided by one possession or less. So I, I definitely think that could happen this year. I think, like Holt said, like Tennessee is going to come into this game likely at 3-0. and uh, they're going to be really disrespected by the media coming to this game. Let's just go ahead and point that out. Like, nobody's going to give Tennessee a chance in this one. And, I mean, it's it's definitely fair not to probably give them a chance. I mean, on paper, Florida should be able to win this game, especially with uh, the way Florida is really good on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball and Todd Grantham's aggressive style. I mean, yeah. he knows that the best way to beat Tennessee is probably pressuring Garantano, bringing pressure and stopping the run because – if you don't give Garantano time, he's not going to be able to uh, beat you. I, I think Grantham's going to have a great game plan. But also on the on the flip side, I think that Jim Chaney is going to be able to counter a lot of uh, his uh, game planning too and be able to get some big plays down the field against Grantham's defense. So I think Tennessee's going to make enough plays to stay in the game. But ultimately, I think Florida will prevail. But Tennessee, I don't think we'll get blown out by Florida. I think they'll be able to be competitive through at least three and a half quarters. Holt, do you think this game will both teams will be undefeated three and zero? Yes, I do. I mean, obviously, Florida's got the game with uh, Miami earlier in the season, but I do expect them to win that game. Um, so, yeah, I do believe that both teams are going to be undefeated coming into this game. I believe it's, it'll probably be the CBS game. I don't know what other games are on that day, but it usually is almost always a CBS game. And uh, you know, I think it should be just like Jamie said. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think Tennessee's offense is going to be able to make some big plays in this game. That's how you beat a Todd Grantham defense is by is by big plays. And I think Tennessee is a team that can make big plays in the passing game. Um, you know, just I'm a little worried about their ability to be just you know consistent on offense. I think uh, Florida has a better shot of running the ball more consistently than Tennessee does in this game, and they're going to be at home. So I expect this to be a pretty fun game. I expect this to be you know a game like. You know, maybe like a 23 to 17 type game uh, that Florida, uh, I'm going to pick Florida to win. And I just, I think it's going to be really close, really fun game and uh, really hard fought for both teams. Be a fun game, though. I think, I think that's the key, key point of this. It'll be something exciting to watch. Last year was actually a really disappointment, big disappointment in the game. Um, it was just a huge letdown to watch that game. And in fact, I, I forgot what other game was on at the time, but I, I think I put Florida, Tennessee on like the, the laptop or my watch ESPN app as opposed to the big screen just because it wasn't as exciting as it was supposed to be. Um, so, all right. So Tennessee is now three and one um, taking on Georgia. They have like a bye week here before the Georgia game, but the Georgia game is at Neyland. You know, this is, I, I guess, a rivalry because they're both East in the East. Um, this one's actually, to me, it's more exciting than the Florida game because Tennessee's actually, 
won some games more than one game in the last 10 years against Georgia. It's been kind of a fun, fun series over the years. And I kind of like Tennessee here as an underdog against Georgia, not to win the game, but I just like it to at least make it interesting because they have like the basically the nothing to lose attitude against Georgia. Georgia's obviously a really good team next year and might be, um, I guess, should be undefeated for this game. They do play Notre Dame, but, um, you know, this is one that Georgia could kind of sleep on. You know, it's a kind of a, a whatever it's called, a, a letdown game after they play Notre Dame. You know, they beat Notre Dame, and then maybe they don't take Tennessee too serious. So it'll be interesting to watch, and I kind of like Tennessee's job here. What, what are your thoughts, JB? Well, you know, Georgia's also going to have a uh, bye week going into this game too. And uh, when when they played last year, um, I think this game was a two-possession game all the way to about midway through the fourth quarter. I think if I remember correctly, the score was like 28-12 to 12, uh, midway through the fourth quarter. So Tennessee was uh, keeping it re- relatively close in Athens. And Tennessee will be a much improved team from last year. And uh, they also, you know, took their offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney. I think t- in Tennessee having a bye week before that, they'll be at 3-1. and one. I still am going to go with, go with Georgia here. They're just way too good on the offensive line. I mean, they're run the ball probably and control the line of scrimmage and, uh, you know, control. So, and I, I expect to uh, win, win. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout, but I do think probably win this by course. Tennessee will come out playing hard in the first half, but Georgia ultimately just has way too much uh, for Tennessee in order for Tennessee to uh, pull off an upset. Here. Hold on. I don't know if the lines are out yet for this game. I'm, I'm going to say they're not, but uh, I'm going to put the line at 17 for this game for Georgia. Do you think – what what would you do in this situation, Georgia by 17? Would you take Georgia or would you take Tennessee in this one? No, I think I'd take Tennessee on that one. I like Georgia a lot this year. Um, but that's just – that's a lot of points to be given on the road. Um, you know, I think – I mean, this game is really going to come down to how well Tennessee is able to stop the run. I mean, if, if Georgia – because Georgia's got that big offensive line we know about. You know, they're really good. Uh, they got a lot of big dudes. They got some really talented running backs. So it should be, you know, it's really going to come down to how is Tennessee able to stop the run? Because I think Tennessee has enough in the secondary in the back seven to slow down Georgia from throwing the ball. But I just think running the ball, if Georgia is able to kind of, you know, establish the run and, you know, kind of control the game, that it's going to be tough for Tennessee to win this one. But if Tennessee is able to stop the run and, you know, obviously a big game at home coming off a of bye week, you know, I definitely think give Georgia a run for their money, but I'm I'm gonna pick Georgia to win this one. I don't I don't know what other games are on that Saturday yet. I'm sure there's gonna be other games, but this is one. Uh, hopefully, we could all watch together from the sunny beaches of Destin. We shall see, though. I'm excited for that. Um, next game up, Holt is Mississippi State. I know JB is going to. I don't know. If, I don't think JB's bought tickets yet. But the question is, are you going to this game? Yes, I, I I don't want to say a hundred percent yes, but I'm gonna do everything in my power to to go to this game. My schedule got changed around, and I now have Fridays and Saturdays off. So if I could, I could use one of my off days on Sunday, and we could drive over there sometime on Friday or maybe even Thursday night if we wanted to, but probably yeah. Friday, and then go to the game and then come back on Sunday. Maybe rent like an Airbnb or something. Go to Bojangles because they have those over there. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Hold, uh, I'll stay with you for a second. Um, you're going to go to the game. I don't know how much – you're obviously going to be wearing Mississippi State stuff. I don't know how loud or obnoxious you're going to be, but do you think there will be any time in, in your life where you'll hate Tennessee fans more than that game? Um, well, 
it just depends. I mean, it, it's hard to say, like, um, like when I was a kid, I really hated Tennessee because, uh, yes. like, kind of right after uh, they won the national championship, um, for the next maybe, like, five, ten years, uh, Tennessee fans were just very, very obnoxious and always calling into, like, local radio stations and, like, talking about how awesome they are. And, like, you know, they. I just – I'm also <laughs> – not a big fan of like their colors. I just think their colors are very obnoxious and just. I love um, that. But, I love that video where the guy, the the guy is like. That, I fans. started laughing because like I immediately like thought about that as soon as I said that. Yeah, what's we'll what's tweeted out? What's we'll tweeted out? Um, but yeah, I get it. You you hate Tennessee. We don't. Not a lot of people like Tennessee in Memphis, or at least non-Tennessee fans in Memphis don't like Tennessee a lot. Um, but that, that's funny that you talk about their national championship because it seems like so long ago when they were. On top of the SECs, uh, not that they can't get back, JB, but they're just not there yet. Um, I'll stay with you. Just tell me, break break down the game for me real quick. Well, I mean, this. I mean, I really just don't know what to expect from either team this year. So, I mean, it's just really like the way I feel now may be completely different by you know the week of this game. Um, to me, both teams have a lot of question marks going into this game. I think the teams are actually kind of similar on defense. I think. Both teams uh, are really solid in the back seven. Uh, I think Mississippi State's got some good defensive ends, but I think defensive tackle is a position of concern for for Mississippi State this year. So, uh, you know, they're kind of similar in that way on defense. And, you know, obviously Bob Shoup is making his return to Tennessee. And I think he's definitely going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I think that the defense is going to play really hard for him. Um, So that's just kind of like another dynamic to maybe think about. but with Mississippi State, I mean, it really just comes down to, like, what what are they on offense? I mean, you could say the same for Tennessee. Um, I think Mississippi State has a really established running back in Kylan Hill, who's a really talented player. You know, obviously they're bringing in a grad transfer quarterback. Uh, Tommy Stevens is most likely going to be the starter. And he's, you know, a big, strong guy with a big arm and is very familiar with Joe Moorhead's offense. So, I mean, it's just – you know, we just don't know what we're going to see from Mississippi State this year. We don't know what we're going to see from Tennessee offensively this year. Um, I, I, if, if I'm just guessing right now, I'm assuming this is going to be more of a defensive game. Um, and since it's kind of a toss-up, I have to go with Tennessee because they're at home. But, I mean, you know, this is another game that is kind of a toss-up. I feel like you're either way. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Mississippi State was a lot better on offense this year than they were last year. But at the same time, they're going to take a step back on defense because of all that because of all they lost. So, you know, they should be still a good defensive team, but offensively, it's still kind of a question mark for the Mississippi State this year. You're going to go with Tennessee. Yes. Okay, uh, JB, who needs this win more, uh, Moorhead or Pruitt? There's both your two coaches. Um, I would say that. Moorhead could probably afford to lose this game more than Pruitt can afford to win this game just because it's at home for Pruitt. And uh, Moorhead, I guess, technically went to a bowl game last year, even though they didn't win, and it was kind of a disappointment all, overall. Oh, it's definitely more important for uh, Pruitt to win this game. Uh, especially, you know, if our predictions hold true, they're going Tennessee is going to be a 3-2 and two team coming into this game. Uh, their season is going to be at a cross, crossroads at this point. Uh, they're going to need this win. And for Pruitt, for, for Pruitt to get Tennessee's program back to where it has where it wants to be, it has to be the teams that it's supposed to be. South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri fall into that category. Uh, Mississippi State would possibly fall into that category too if they were an East team. 
for Tennessee to get back to elite status, they have to beat those kind of teams. So if they lose Mississippi State, it's, it's just going to be seen as like you know not moving forward. So this is very important for Pruitt to win. Yeah. So go ahead and uh, give me your analysis. Um, it's pretty similar to Holtz. Uh, I really can't tell you what to expect in this game. Uh, I'm guaranteeing you my pick will probably change a few times once the season starts up until that game. It'll probably it may be different by the time we rolled rolled in this game because we'll have a better grasp of how good. Mississippi State and Tennessee both are. But as of right now, I think this game's a draw. I think if Mississippi State was the home team, they'd be the favorite. I haven't seen what Vegas has out on this game, but I would imagine Tennessee's probably a very slight favorite in this one. I'm going to go with Tennessee right now and give them the benefit because I, I was assuming Holt was going to pick Mississippi State and I was going to pick Tennessee and you'd be the tiebreaker. But apparently that's the case. I'm, just, I'm going to roll with Tennessee right now, but – you know, it's subject to change. It's the preseason. But for now, I'm going to go with Tennessee at home just because they are the home team. I think that's going to be an advantage for them. So that is now 4-2 and two Tennessee. Um, I would also say that Tennessee is going to win probably just because it is at home. And um, I don't think Tennessee is going to lose three games in a row. Um, I think they'll be fired up for a game that they look at or see as very winnable. Um, so I think they're going to win this one. So that's four and two Tennessee going to Alabama. And I forgot, I think it was our, our, our friend JB once upon a time. I forgot what game we went to. I think it was the Florida game where we watched the game together and we said, yeah, we're going to, um, we're going to watch our funeral next week against Alabama or something like that. And it was pretty funny. I was thinking about it. Cause it's just, it's like, I don't know how you can go into the Alabama game and just like be excited for that game. Just cause you just, you know what you're getting yourself into. So it's just it's just kind of funny when I thought about that. Yeah, like if you look at the Alabama series, I mean, for most Tennessee fans, I think everyone's going to chalk that up as a loss. I mean, that's not just for Tennessee. I think that's for a lot of programs in this conference now. Yeah, I mean, everybody loses. That's what that's what I loved was when uh, you see like either ESPN or CBS will say, "Oh yeah, Saban's record against this coach is like you know twelve and zero or something like that." And it's like, well, he just doesn't lose a game, so his record is good against every single coach. I don't even know why they bring that up still. So it's just – it's funny. Um, but I don't necessarily want to get too detailed in this game because I think we all think think this is going to be a loss. But um, what I'm curious, JB, is if you think that Tennessee can go to Tuscaloosa and score 10 or more points on this Alabama defense. Uh, that remains to be seen how better the offensive line is. That's really going to be the telling point. If the offensive line – is at least serviceable. I think they could get 10 points on Bama's defense. But as of now, I'm going to go with the under 10 and say that Tennessee's held to single digits. Hold, do you ever bet against Alabama? No, never. <laughs> How many times have you had to learn the hard way? I mean, I've never – I don't think I've ever actually placed a bet against Alabama. I think maybe one time I bet against them when they were playing like Kent State or somebody like that. Uh, just because Saban always – like it'll be like some ridiculously ridiculous line like, you know, 49 points, and Saban always wins those games like 34 to 3. You know what I mean? He always just, you know, he, he, he never blows out out-of-commerce teams. He always only blows out teams that are, you know, like power five teams. So, anyway, uh, I guess I'm also going to pick Alabama to beat Tennessee. Uh, soon maybe already said that, but I'm gonna go with uh, with Alabama in this one. I don't really think there's too much to say. I don't think Tennessee's really ready to uh, to compete with with uh, 
Alabama quite yet, especially in the Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, it's just it's gonna be a tough game all around. So that's the thing. It's four and three Tennessee going back home to Neyland to take on South Carolina. This is a true toss-up game. I think this one is one we might all have fun debating. Um, I'll just let you uh, start off whole, and I'll give it to JB afterwards. South Carolina against Tennessee. Yeah, you know, I really like South Carolina this year. Um, I'm very high on them, but I just think that it's not really the best matchup for them at going up against Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee's secondary is good enough to slow down those uh, South Carolina receivers. You know, we, we talked about Tennessee's secondary a little bit earlier. You know, they had those two freshmen that played last year that were really good. They're going to be sophomores this year. Um, you know, they've got a senior safety that is a really good player as well. So um, I really like uh, Tennessee's secondary in this game to make some plays. And you know me, like I'm always going to go with the home team in a close game usually. Um, it's just so hard to win on the road in the SEC and – you know, I think Muschamp finally gets his uh, his first loss to Tennessee in, in his uh, very long and disappointing career. <laughs> I think JB was talking about this once upon a time, that South Carolina always saved, I think, Butch Jones' job because that was a – it was when I think Spurrier was coaching and South Carolina was always, like, ranked or was supposed to win the game. And Tennessee always – seemed not always, but they beat South Carolina when they weren't supposed to and it kind of gave Bush more job security, so – um, I think it's kind of funny how that worked out, JB. It is, and you look at the uh, series. The um, really the last five years these two these two teams have played, it's been a uh, really close game down to the wire. Twenty fourteen, Tennessee beat South Carolina in overtime. Twenty fifteen, Tennessee uh, beat South Carolina at the very end of the game in the fourth quarter when they recovered a fumble in which South Carolina was driving down the field. Uh, Twenty sixteen, uh, Tennessee missed a field goal to beat South Carolina. South Carolina held on. 2017, Tennessee uh, was down inside the five-yard line and uh, couldn't score when time expired. South Carolina held on. And then last year, South Carolina won by, you know, three points, 27-24. So there's been some thrilling games, and I expect this year to be no different. I think it's going to be another competitive game. Muschamp seems to always find a way to beat Tennessee. I mean, he's, he's up against him. He's not lost as a head coach yet. But I'm going to give the edge to Tennessee, and this one being at home and with Tennessee's uh, returning pieces. I mean, I think Tennessee is is beat a team like South Carolina. I think they're ready to compete with that at that level, and I'm going to go go with that uh, Tennessee in this one. Yeah, that game last year was really really ugly, uh, or maybe it was two years ago that I was watching. Was it last year where uh, they were short at the goal line with Garantano? Two, that- two years ago when. Uh, yeah. I think Tennessee got down to the two-yard line and uh, had one more play. And uh, it was a pretty point conversion to try to win the game and trying to get a touchdown and ultimately uh, didn't convert and South Carolina held on. Yeah, because that was an early game. And I remember it was at – because I remember it was at England now, so that would make sense. It was two years ago. And that was one where people just did not like Garantano. But um, I think Bentley actually came over and shook his hand or something like that or gave him a hug, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was some good sportsmanship that everybody like loved Bentley for. But um, yeah, I could just imagine this being an ugly game. Um, I'm gonna say Tennessee win here as well, which is not gonna be great for South Carolina, or I mean, not South Carolina, more Will Muschamp than South Carolina. But um, that's just how it goes in a coaching uh, profession in the SEC. So that's uh, what four? I think is that we have five now. We have one, two, three, four five wins um, going 
to stay in Neyland against UAB. You know, we talked about BYU being a tough out-of-conference game. We, you know, let it off saying they have a favorable schedule, um, not too difficult out-of-conference schedule. But um, I do want to give a shout-out to UAB because they're um, obviously not a Power 5 and not as strong as SEC in general. But um, UAB did win 11 games last year. So um, I'm not going to say that they're going to win 11 games again this year. But um, there's they're not a slouch group of five teams, so Tennessee should still win this one. But uh, it's not going to be as easy as you would think, especially if Tennessee is kind of reeling. Like we like when Holt let it off, he was saying he wasn't sure about Tennessee's going to win six or ten games. But you know, if Tennessee's season takes a turn for the worse, this is one of those games that uh, that UAB could win and just make or just keep it a close game where it would make Pruitt look really bad. If you remember um, a couple years ago, UMass was like tied at half or something like that against Tennessee with Butch, JB. Do you remember that? I do. And this game really is just going to be all a matter of uh, where Tennessee is at this point in the season, you know, what the record is. I mean, at best, Tennessee could be 6-2 and two at this point. I mean, reach, but uh, that would be the best-case scenario for Tennessee. A worst case scenario at this point for Tennessee might be three and five. And if they're three and five at this point, that means they're at the same spot they were last year. They're going to have to go three and one to finish the season to make it to a bowl. But I think as it stands that they're probably going to be five and three going into this game. And I really respect Bill Clark. The the job he's done is nothing less than remarkable. He's an incredible coach. He needs to give a power five school. He will make a Power 5 school really happy if they will take a chance on him. I am vouching for him to get a Power 5 job. But uh, this is kind of a rebuilding year for UAB. They lost a lot of key players. I remember reading that they lost, uh, I think, maybe 15 starters on both sides of the ball. So it doesn't really – it's going to be more of a rebuild for them this year, but they'll still be probably a bold team. But I'm going to go with Tennessee in this one. Okay. Hold I'm not going to let you elaborate too much just to save time, but I think you're, you're picking Tennessee in this one as well. Yep, picking Tennessee, but of course a good coach. Move on. All right. So that's uh, six wins, bowl eligible Tennessee taking on Kentucky. Um, going to Lexington, JB. Uh, if there's one thing for sure about Tennessee football, it's what, JB? Uh, the one sure thing that history has shown in the last 20 years that I think Tennessee has been 18-2 and two in the last 20 years against Kentucky. It's won 18 in the last 20. Um, on paper, I think Kentucky – should be the favorite for this game, you know, being at Kroger Field. And I think they're both going to be have at similar points of the season. I think their record's going to be pretty similar at this point. Uh, Kentucky, I think, is a borderline bowl team this year. I think that I actually have them going to a bowl. I think I have them winning seven games. But uh, until I get proven otherwise, I'm going to roll with Tennessee in this one. I think, I think they're both evenly matched. But I do like uh, Tennessee at the skill positions in this game. I think – that's where Tennessee will win. I think they make a little few more plays than Kentucky does and, and wins any thriller in Lexington. This is uh, this is one where I'm going to have to disagree with you, but I think Holt's going to do all the disagreeing for me, so I'll let Holt take care of this one. Yeah, I did, uh, in fact. And, you know, now that we're on Kentucky, I did remember you asked me a question earlier about whether Florida would be undefeated going to the Florida-Tennessee game, and I forgot that I actually picked Kentucky to beat Florida on the Kentucky preview. Um, in Lexington. So, actually, I would have Florida at one loss and Tennessee undefeated. So, so just uh, – Nice just quick on. But, yeah, I do like uh, – you know, I do think Kentucky is going to take a step back this year, maybe not a huge step back. Um, you know, obviously this game is in Lexington at the grocery store. 
So <laughs> it's going to be a fun environment. You know, they I think Kentucky gets really hyped up to play Tennessee. I think it's a really big game for them. And, um, you know, it, it's just – it's one of those things where, like, I think this season um, maybe I'm wrong, and I think this is going to kind of determine Tennessee's season. But uh, when Tennessee plays teams that are more physical on the line of scrimmage, maybe teams that are more just, you know, run first and just, like, physical-type brand of football-type teams, I think teams they're going to struggle against this year. Um, so I look at Kentucky. This was a really disappointing game for them on the road last year. They're going to be looking to avenge that. And uh, I think they kind of break the trend this year and are able to, uh, to you know, I don't know if you're calling it an upset, but get the win over Tennessee there at, uh, there at the grocery store. Sure. I'll have to be a tiebreaker and officially pick Kentucky, which defies logic or historic, historical results. But uh, I, for some reason, think Kentucky's going to win this game against Tennessee. Um, however, JB, if we are, we if we have what we have predicted so far, which is what I think six and three going to Kentucky. Um, I mean, that's a pretty good amount of wins for Tennessee, and they have a lot of momentum at that point. So they could they get six wins going into the Kentucky game. They get win number seven. I mean, they're rolling at that point, so they could have a lot of confidence going into that Kentucky game if they do in fact get six game six wins. So um, we'll see what happens, but. Um, it, there could be a lot of momentum is all I'm trying to say. So, but we're going to say they're going to lose this game. So that's uh, six and four Tennessee taking on Missouri in the Columbia. And I wasn't sure what y'all predicted in the Missouri podcast, but y'all better be consistent with what you're about to pick now. So I'll let you start off Cole, and reiterate what you said a couple nights ago. Yeah, I picked the, I picked uh, Missouri in this game. Um, I just think that, I, I just – I mean, I don't really know. I mean, honestly, like, it's just – it's at Missouri. I just feel more confident in them. Like, I feel like all these teams in the bottom half of the SEC East, like, I really, like, don't know what to expect out of any of them. And I'm kind of just picking the home team in all the games. Uh, so, I, I just – I obviously, Tennessee's coming off a bye week before this game. Um, but I just – I really like Missouri's, like, what they're going to be on offense. I mean, I don't think they're going to be very explosive in the passing game. But, you know, obviously, round three – be one of the top running backs in the SEC. He's one of the most underrated guys. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think Kelly Bryant's going to be able to, to run the ball and make some plays in the passing game as well. And I just – I like Missouri at home in this game. I think, you know, their schedule lines up really well for them. They're going to be a ranked team in this game. They're going to be playing for, you know, a potential uh, New Year's Six type bowl game um, in this at this point in the season. So, uh, I, I really like uh, Missouri in this one. Yeah, that's um, – I'll just agree with you. The only thing I would add is you forgot to mention Alberto. Um, oh, week, but not – yeah. I, yeah, oh, oh, oh is his last name, actually. <laughs> uh, JB, what you got? Or please repeat what you said a couple nights ago about this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I really like this Missouri team going into this season. Their schedule is really favorable. They got a lot of good players at the skill positions. I mean, they got a – Really solid quarterback, uh, grad transfer, and Kelly Bryant. I don't, I wouldn't put him at the same level as Drew Locke, but it's a very favorable system for quarterbacks. Uh, they got some really good receivers. Uh, good, probably arguably the best tight end in the conference. Maybe not just the conference, but the entire country. Uh, their defense, I think, is going to be at least serviceable. I, I got Missouri at nine and three. Uh, Tennessee will be coming off a of bye week at this point. I guess my projected record for Tennessee at this point is three. So. 
could be that Tennessee could be in a position where they win the last two games and have an outside shot at New York's New Year's six. I think those hopes are dismantled in Columbia. I think Missouri's gonna roll in this game. I actually think Missouri could win will win by double digits over Tennessee. I think Missouri is just a uh, bad matchup for Tennessee overall. But then the revenge game comes, JB. Have no fear because Vanderbilt comes to town. And this one is one I think Tennessee really wants badly just because Tennessee hasn't played well against Vanderbilt over the years, the past few years. And they're tired of Vanderbilt acting like they're the big brother in Tennessee. They need to get back to the little brother status. So I think this is a clear ass-whooping game for Tennessee against Vanderbilt. Would you agree, J.B.? Yeah, this is the uh, most um, underrated game on Tennessee's schedule this entire season. Uh, the one game that uh, nobody wants to talk about is the most important, but really and truly it probably is. Uh, Vanderbilt has gotten Tennessee's number the last three years. Uh, the last three games they played, t- Vanderbilt has beaten Tennessee. And uh, this game being in Knoxville is very important for Jeremy Pruitt in his future. they got to beat Vanderbilt this year. I think that's a game that Pruitt – won't tell the media and won't tell anyone that this circled on his calendar, but this is a game that he knows that for his security, he needs to win. So I, I expect Tennessee to come in this game and take care of business against Vanderbilt and, and you know, turn this tide around in this series. Oh, we talked about, uh, and I, I think we probably mentioned this like 500 times now, we talked about the, um, the, guy, the Alabama fan talking about orange is the ugliest color, um, being funny video. Is there <laughs> – a funnier video than the Vanderbilt win after Tennessee when they sing Rocky Top to the Tennessee fans on their way out? I don't think so. Honestly, that is like – I mean, to me, that is like one of the great things about college football is just stuff like that. I don't know why, but I just – I enjoy that video so much. Yeah. It makes me so happy. I think about it like at least like five or six times a year just like randomly in like March. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just I go back and like look it up. It just it just really cracks me up. Um, it's the best. Being said, best troll. I best do troll. Like, right? do what? It's one of the best trolls. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I do I do like Tennessee in this game to kind of you know bounce bounce back from the last couple of years and get the win over Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt has a chance to be you know decent this year because of the skill position players they return on offense. You know we always gotta give a shout out to our guy. Uh, I expect him to have a, another big year this year. Um, but I still like Tennessee at home in this game. And, you know, it's going to be – I mean, they're going to be – I have them at 6-5 and five for this game. But I still think they're going to have something to prove because I have them coming off of two losses. So, I think they're going to uh, be really motivated to play this game and they're going to beat Vanderbilt and get a, a little bit better bowl game. Maybe the Music City Bowl maybe the, or, the, uh, or the Liberty Bowl. Maybe they'll come all the way over here and play. I mean. I hope they I hope they have to go to the Birmingham Bowl because I'm tired of Memphis playing in the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, it's just it's not fun. But um, yeah, so what if they put this in the Liberty Bowl? How crazy would that be? JB, you would have to go to it at that point, right? Oh man, yeah, I would definitely go to that. But I, it'd be hard to envision a scenario in which Memphis does go to the Liberty Bowl. I think that's only in a scenario in which uh, the SEC doesn't have enough bids to. Uh, fill that void or whatever. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about Tennessee playing Memphis in Liberty Bowl. Oh, Tennessee playing Memphis in Liberty Bowl? I mean, be, I mean, maybe cool. I just don't know if it's ever going to happen in the near future. I think um, pretty much both programs are in a stalemate about 
Because Tennessee, I think, wants a two-for-one with Memphis. Maybe. I'm talking about a bowl game. I did. I was talking about the bowl game. They need to maybe switch over to a regular season game there. Who was talking about a regular season? I was talking about a bowl. We can go back and listen to the recording on here, and I was talking about a bowl game. I was talking about how the SEC has to have enough bowl bids for it. I'd be right. But two years ago, bowl bids because it was Iowa State. and I literally did not say one word about the regular season. We'll go back to the 68-minute mark, and you'll prove that I was right here. (laughs) I uh, I interrupted you. When did I say anything about the regular season, JB? When did about, I we say talked about them the playing season? in the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, in the Liberty Bowl, the bowl game. Yes, and I was talking, and then you interrupted me. I was trying to let me finish my point, but you interrupted you me. Said, you said you were talking about the regular season. Yes, and I talked about the Liberty Bowl. We you said two-for-one. You said a two-for-one. Yes, two two-for-one is not a bowl matchup. Because you switched me over to that topic. I was no, talking about how the Liberty Bowl no, two years ago, no, Memphis no, played in no. it because of a scenario. La, 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 la. I can't hear you. Sorry, Colt, but I was right here. You switched me over to that topic. But let me finish here. This topic here, we were talking about the Liberty Bowl. The reason Memphis played in it two years ago was because the SEC did not have enough teams to play in that bowl. That's the only way Memphis will play in the Liberty Bowl against Tennessee. And I don't know if that scenario is going to happen because the Big 12 will have enough bids to get into that bowl because the Liberty Bowl is in a higher totem pole on the uh, hierarchy to have that game. The SEC has to have enough teams to fill that void. So, yes, I don't know if they'll ever play in a bowl game in Liberty Bowl. This wedding is horseshit. <laughs> that reminds me of whenever I play whole in college or NCAA football on Xbox or now PlayStation or whatever. And, like, I was – I, this is like a couple of different times you've done this whole like I'm winning the game's over and it's like the fourth quarter and I'm trying to like chew clock or kneel the ball and hold just jumps off sides until like I quit and he's like dude you why don't you you didn't win man you never won yeah I don't know yeah but it just reminds me of that because uh <laughs> you're you're trying to annoy JB and then JB's trying to talk over you. it's it's great uh great podcasting Dude, it really is. <laughs> I remember, like, like one of the reviews we got on like uh, on like Apple Podcast was someone saying that I needed to, to uh, argue with JB more. So if uh, if if Madden Hog or whatever his name was is out there, <laughs> yeah. nah, I mean that could be JB's burner. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> be funny. Um, all right, so we got we got Tennessee going. What seven and. What's the math there? Seven and five. <laughs> um, so they're beating their projected win total. Jeremy Pruitt has a good year. Then they go to the bowl game. They go to Liberty Bowl and lose to Memphis is what we're saying. And still still a good year because they won seven games with the SEC schedule. So not a bad year overall, JB. No, no. they uh, That's meeting expectations that they win seven games. Like I said, the floor for them is six wins. Uh, the ceiling is nine wins. They go to – if they win seven games and – Possibly a bowl game that's meeting expectations and showing improvement, and that's what you want to see if you're a Tennessee fan. What would get Jeremy Pruitt on the hot seat and fired? So I, I, I project, I, I think of like five wins as being hot seat, but not fired. But like three wins, probably fired. I think three wins might fire and get him fired, even if even a year or two. I think that because I just think Tennessee fan base is so crazy. I don't know if uh, there is a scenario in which he would get fired even with three wins, but that would mean that the pressure would really be on him in year three. Um, if they win five games, I mean, there will be a little bit of pressure, but he won't be on the hot seat. But uh, it, that'll be in a scenario in which if he goes five and seven in year two, that he'll have to make a bowl in year three in order to get a job. I feel like you, you have to now, especially for football, because football, it takes time to build a program. 
I feel like you have to give a head coach at least three years. Unless I was unless four years. Years. I think four years is what a coach really needs in college football, but most programs are only giving coaches three years in order to show progress. But you, you also don't want to see three years and like no progress. I mean, because you can you can get this situation where it's just like a a shitty underperforming year after year. Like Butch Jones did a good job and like I think we all knew probably after year three, whatever year it was that they they beat Florida but then lost like the last three or four games, whatever it was, to like basically not get an SEC championship game. That's when we knew he wasn't a great coach. But we still have yeah. to go another year with him because he um technically won more games than the last year. And it's just it's funny how it all works out. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah, sometimes you can tell that it's not going to work out, um, and they still give – you know, it's not very often that someone comes off the hot seat. That's kind of like something you hear. Like, you know, you never hear about someone coming off the hot seat. Like, once you're on the hot seat, like, it's kind of just a matter of time. Like, I mean, it's always a matter of time for every coach, but, like, once you get on the hot seat, on the hot seat you never really completely come off. Unless you're Davo Sweeney. But, I mean, I don't – was he ever on the hot seat? Yeah. Yeah, there was a it, time that – He definitely didn't, right? Like- they definitely didn't like him. I mean, I think that there was definitely a question mark about like him getting the job in the first place. But like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't ever really remember him like about to get fired. I think they had like a 500 year, maybe in year four of his tenure there. Then of course they had that blowout loss in the Orange Bowl that they got exposed as a program at the time. And that was when uh, Dabo Sweeney revamped his entire program and overhauled it and built it to where it is now. But that that would be one example of a coach that you could arguably say got on the hot seat and ultimately got off of it and now has the highest job security in college football. I think, I think Gus Malzahn's a perfect candidate for getting on the hot seat and getting off the hot seat depending on this year. Um, but there's so much pressure on him, uh, which I don't, I kind of like Gus Malzahn. So um, I can understand why they don't necessarily love him, but um, you know, you never know with Auburn, like they could go, they could win 10 or 11 games this year and they could love him again. And he could just, be off the offseason. I mean, he's done that a couple of different times actually in his career because um, when they lost to UCF in the bowl game before that, like they just signed that huge contract with them because they they beat Georgia, I think, in the regular season or wherever, wherever it was. They had a huge win. They beat Alabama, I think, is what it was. So, yeah. sounds good. It happens. Any final words before we sign off this Tennessee podcast? I don't think so. I think, I think I'm pretty much done. I think we covered everything. All right. Well, it's been real, guys. Uh, look forward to uh, hearing Holt and JB arguing in the next podcast, which should be who? South Carolina? Yeah, we can do South Carolina, Florida, probably South Carolina. All right. South Carolina next. Can't wait. Until then, see y'all later. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.